Hey, by the time you're hearing this, Laura Kinney's birthday will have just passed. The Mutant Musings anniversary will be just two weeks away. To celebrate both of those milestones, our next episode will be a celebration of Laura Kinney, complete with contests. You'll be able to enter to win a Laura Kinney poster by Ty Ramsa and a Laura poster by Mike Sagawa, a.k.a. Excerpts. Plus, if you follow me and Musings on Twitter or Instagram, you'll be able to win a Laura Kinney t-shirt designed by Mike Sagawa. Celebrate Laura Kinney with us on our fifth anniversary episode out in two weeks and tune in for some contest details. The only thing better than one goth rogue is five goth rogues. Welcome to episode 15 of the Mutant Musings Evolution Podcast for the beginning of August 2021. I'm Jonathan, and with me as always is my P-A-C-C-I. Patty! Remember to leave us a comment on this episode's webpage on geekade.com. Leave us ratings and reviews on iTunes or anywhere else you find our podcast. Follow us on Instagram at mutant underscore musings underscore podcast, and follow us on Twitter at Mutant Musings. Sorry to be so curt, but we'd love an avalanche of reviews. Those puns are cold as ice, man. If you believe in us and think we're real Magneto, then it is your destiny to leave us some positive feedback. Don't play havoc with our emotions. Be an angel and write us something nice on whatever podcast app you use. That's a good kitty. And speaking of kitty... Vagina. What? You're going to say something about hairless cats and long-haired cats as a euphemism for vagina. What in the world makes you think that? Patty, you're acting like you're reading this from my computer screen. Because this is the part of the show where that happens. Every single episode, you wrote something dirty here, but this time it seems distasteful. Over a hundred episodes, and I've never gotten this kind of response from you. Oh, I like rubbing kitty and making it purr. God damn it, Jonathan, we're classier than that. We're really not classier than that. And you're turning this into a catastrophe. I swear to God, I will turn this podcast around. I thought what I'd prepared here was meowvelous, thank you. These jokes belong in the litter box. Thanks for the hissy fit. There's your explicit content warning. Hey, Patty. Yeah. Nice work. Thank you. <laughs> Patty's playing Pokemon Snap. I am. Playing Pokemon Snap, and there's uh, Professor Mirror. Mirror. It's pronounced Mirror. Thank you. Is it? No. No. But he's it's, very... It's bothersome, because all of the other professors are named after trees. There's no Mirror tree. Did you check? No. Did you... Fa- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's all that's bothersome. He's very supportive. He's, he's a cute boy. Okay. I was going to play this morning. I was looking forward to it. But after I took my class this morning, I was like, listen, I, I got up at 8 o'clock on a Saturday. <laughs> I already took the dog out. I already took my Japanese class for an hour and a half. I am sleepy time. So I decided to take a nap from 11. And then I woke up at like 2 o'clock. And I was like, oops. So, Patty, what you're saying is instead of playing Pokemon Snap, you took a Pokemon nap. I sure did. Snap, snap. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, sometimes you need a good Pokemon nap. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't nap ever. Shout outs to all of you who nap, Pokemon Me. or otherwise. Yeah, good for all of you. I find it to be a waste of time. I could be playing video games in that time. One video game that I am not playing, as of this recording anyway, <laughs> is is the DLC for Streets of Rage 4 because... It's still not available on Nintendo Switch, and that is the only system I have where that such DLC is available. So the rest of the world is playing it, except for me, the lone Switch owner in the world. <laughs> I've been screwed out of my 
Mr. Nightmare, my Mr. Nightmare, my Mr. X Nightmare mode survival thing and the extra characters. Oh. Like Max, the wrestler, and um, Shiva, the the sexy Chinese guy. No, not Shiva. this is Final Fantasy. <laughs> it's not Final Fantasy, guys. Streets of Rage 4. But is it spelled the Completely same? Completely different, yes. But Shiva's always like an ice goddess. There's also a Shiva in Marvel Comics that's like an adamantium robot thing. What? Yes. These are all things that can coexist in the world. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, there are. What? Where does that come from, Shiva? Is it like Indian? I I don't... Well, you're looking at me like I know. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's some kind of mythology, but I, yes. I don't know uh, whomst. Same, <laughs> same thing with Ifrit. Yeah, Ifrit's yeah. Always, Ifrit's always a thing. Always chilling with Shiva. Yeah. Uh, chilling. I didn't... Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, yeah, see. please, please. While you're looking up Shiva, I'm going to look up Mirror Tree. <laughs> Patty, mirror plant is a thing. I am so mad. <laughs> you can read all about it on finegardening.com. That's finegardening.com, <laughs> y'all. You can check out mirror plants. Oh, I knew this was familiar. Yeah, she's uh, oh, yeah. Shiva the Destroyer, one of the supreme gods in Hindu mythology. Dope. Good for her. The other two are Brahma and Vishnu. Yeah, yeah. But Vishnu isn't in Final Fantasy. So who's Ifrit? Is he also Hindu? It's Arabic. Huh. That's cool. So I guess they just take them from like... Oh, yeah, absolutely. A bunch of things. I, I 100% believe that. All right, whatever. Enough cool. about Final Fantasy. Fun times. I still can't play Streets of Rage 4. <laughs> All right, so we got some episodes to talk about. Surprise, we're talking about four episodes, not three, like I told you last time. I was just joking That's around. That's so many! So here's what I decided to do. So, so we're going to be talking about the three episodes that that i said uh and we are going to be talking about uh cruise control cruise control apparently is it premiered as the season finale but according to two separate uh wikipedia sources uh they say that it was aired out of order and um cruise control was supposed to air right after under lock and key but instead it was the season finale which doesn't really make sense because the season finale is dark horizon it's a two-part season finale introduces Never mind, I'm not going to say anything because Patty doesn't know. But anyway, we're going to talk about it this way, and it works. In the next episode, we're just going to be talking about Laura, so you all can deal with it. So first episode we're talking about today is The Toad, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Uh, premiered November 2002. So so this episode was kind of funny. There was uh, a lot of good to be had in this episode, a lot of fun. Uh, I really enjoyed the theme, too, overall. But there were a couple of moments that I really... I really did not like. They were quite problematic to me. Well, also remember this was like 20 years ago. Take it with a grain of salt. So we got a foreign country. Jonathan wrote down it's Italy, but I thought it was France. But either way. I think it's Patty's underpants. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Jonathan. Sure. <laughs> uh, so we got this creepy guy in a trench coat, and he's like eyeing all the people who are passing by, and I really thought he was going to just like, bam, whip it open. And just like, be one of those creepy uh flashers flashers yeah i can yeah. think of the word yeah creepy looking guy was gonna flash his penis yep yep penis flasher well i mean he had a trench coat spoilers it's mastermind uh yeah it's mastermind and magneto is coming for him he starts seeing all the railings flying and the and the light posts flailing around and shit and he's like oh no and he starts running but you can't outrun magneto no and magneto was able to surround him with things so he's like i have a job for you 
that was cool because I mean, like initially you're wondering why he's just like checking around and like wandering the street or whatever. And like casting illusions as people pass by and sure it's like a, you know, uh, those are cues. So you know that he's a mutant and it's not what he, what he seems, but you know, he knows Magneto is coming for him. So that was kind of a neat little introduction. Uh, But then you see Wanda in a cab going over a bridge and suddenly the bridge is on fire. Patty, the bridge is on fire. It's pyro. Oh, it's pyro. It's pyro. It's like the top of the bridge. Like yeah. the top of the, I don't know what they're called. Yeah. And then, uh, <laughs> you know, he makes some cute shapes and stuff and terrorizes everybody and ends up like catching fire on this oil rig. And the, everybody's like, oh, watch out, it's going to blow. And he just keeps piling more fire on it. So Wanda gets kind of like blown out and is like hanging onto the edge of the bridge and you know, then uh, perfect timing. Scott and Jean saw something was going on, an explosion or whatever. So they drove over and they got her off of the side of the bridge and Pyro ran away. Yeah, but he dropped. What was that that he dropped? He was dropped a this, like a ski tag. Ski when tag? I, you, know, you know those things? If you Is that like a skin tag? Oh, my God. <laughs> no, you know, like in the winter when everyone's wearing like their big puffy like jackets you never had like anybody in school who had like those tickets that were like attached to the tickets yeah it was it's like a ski pass and you like put it on your zipper the part that goes up and down why i don't know i guess (laughs) you know i think it's like you know the beach passes you know you put them like on your shorts or whatever so you don't have to like yeah. yeah i think that's what it is I'm sorry, Patty. My family wasn't ritzy enough to go skiing. I wasn't either. Okay? <laughs> well, you seem to know a whole lot about no, ski because, passes. because... Ski tags. They're, I've seen them before. Uh-huh. It's like I've been wearing this, uh... Oh, my God, Patty. You're still wearing that? <laughs> this, uh, little, uh, thing that they put on my wrist. The wristband. Yeah, wristband, yeah. Yeah. I still have that, so, yeah. I guess people just leave it there for memories or because they're lazy How and do forget. You, you do it because I know. <laughs> so that uh, thing that he dropped, the ski pass, it was like a hint for Wanda to go follow him there. So then uh, we see Amanda telling Kurt that her parents want to meet him. And he says, oh, I don't know. My image inducer is on the fritz. And then we see, you know, Toad in the background kind of watching this happening. And she's like, well, I want them to meet the real you. Then so so we assume that this will be a thing that comes back later. When we go back to the bridge, uh, Wanda is like, oh, they just want me to stop looking for my dad and my brother. And Jean's like, but Pietro isn't hiding. He's back with their brotherhood. And she's like, <laughs> fuck. Yeah, that was hilarious. Because then at the brotherhood house, Pietro is treating them all like shit. Like absolute shit. Until Who he saw? sees Wanda come into the house. Yeah, he sees Wanda walking up and then he runs and hides in the closet. And um, I think I think it was Toad that told her uh, that he was in there. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, Pietro, you know, I mean, that's that's been his line. Is that he doesn't know where Magneto is. It's just been... You know, when when he needs something from me, he contacts me. Uh, but then Wanda Wanda brings out that ski ticket and Toad knows where it is. Like Arrow something ski resort. Uh, so so she goes to, to head out and go to the ski resort. And, you know, Toad is like calling her all the cute names. Oh, Snookums, I'll do whatever you want. I'm your servant. Just just tell me what you want from me. Tell me, how, you know, how I can win your love. And she's like, be somebody else. 
And so, you know, light bulb goes off on top of Toad's head. Uh, because, you know, there's a reason they set up this thing with Kurt and Amanda. You know, Kurt shows up to Amanda's house looking all fancy. He's got his jacket. He's got his tie. He's got flowers. He's looking all cute and shit. And he's super, super nervous, like stuttering, stumbling over his words. And Amanda's just trying to get him to relax. But, of course, the inducer starts to go on the fritz while he's there. But he manages, he manages to avoid either of uh, Amanda's parents seeing him until Toad literally busts in the window. And I'm sorry, but I loved the two of them just like jumping around, sort of like half-assed fighting this episode. It happened twice, and it was just really funny. And Toad got his own theme song. Now, unfortunately, the volume on it wasn't loud enough. I couldn't really understand any of the words other than T-O-A-D-T. Oh, hey, it's just, it's so good. And I honestly, before we started recording this podcast, I wanted that to be our commercial music, but I could not find a good enough MP3 of it. I only found one and it was worse than the show's version. Uh, Otherwise I would have used that. I love that. It's so funny that he got his own theme song. Yeah, no, I, it was great. And I couldn't hear it either. I wonder if we can watch it again with the captions on. Maybe it will show the lyrics. <laughs> But sometimes it just shows, you know, like the music note or whatever. Oh yeah. But uh, yeah, no, I thought it was, I thought it was really cute and funny uh, that they were like tumbling around in Amanda's house. You know, then Kurt ends up like throwing Toad through the window, and a different window breaking another window. They destroyed the house. Yeah, completely destroyed the fucking house. Toad just from outside like uses his tongue to grab the inducer off Kurt's wrist, and Kurt's just like sitting on the floor all blue and fuzzy. Like, uh... <laughs> oops. Yeah. Yeah. That poor kid, poor fucking kid. So worried about making a good impression on Amanda's parents, you know, but again, but he's trying to conceal who he really is. And that sucks to have to lie like that. It, that sucks to have to do that. Um, but anyway, it sucks even more that Toad took that choice away from him and just took the inducer and ran. Uh, so then you cut to like, you know, a handsome guy at the resort trying to, you know, chill next to Wanda. <laughs> He's like going for the skiing. I'm a skiing fool, baby cakes. And you can see his teeth. His teeth are fucking gross. So she's like, she knows that it's him. Yeah. She knows that it's him. It's yeah, because really Toad's got the yellow teeth. And like, as soon as he opens his mouth and you saw them, you're like, oh, okay, that's Toad. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, you know, she sees the ski lift uh, and Pyro is on the ski lift. So she like just runs and gets on the next one. Yeah, because Pyro is still, what, wearing the same clothes he always wears. Yep. <laughs> Why try he not? only got the one outfit. <laughs> so then, it, like, the guy next to her on the ski lift was, like, really handsome. And he's like, oh, I'm the instructor here. She was just, like, handsome. Oh, she just, like, started blushing. You could tell she thought he was attractive. Yeah. And then, and then she saw uh, Pyro get off, so she jumped off and followed him. Okay. I, I'm so I'm sorry. So Pyro didn't just get off. Pyro dropped on the hills on his fucking snowboard and started snowboarding. Listen, I know everything there is to know about Pyro. And I'm telling you right now, that man does not know how to snowboard. He does not know. He doesn't practice snowboarding. Pyro does not know how to snowboard. That's the stupidest, stupidest thing I've ever heard. Well, he's he's Australian. Yeah. It makes sense that he doesn't know how to snowboard. Well, that, but that's what I'm saying. This show is, is this show. This, we can't watch it anymore. Stupid. Stupid. I can't trust this show anymore. So anyway, yeah, Toad Toad sort of follows, not all the way. She he he sees Wanda. So Wanda's going up to the dome 
that Pyro went in, and some little orb comes out and gasses her. You know, Toad wants help, so he goes and visits Kurt at the Institute. <laughs> Which is just the, the person, just screwed over. Just the person Kurt wants to see. So again, they start fighting, and it's it's funny. It's not like a serious serious fight. And Toad is like, "Is now a bad time to ask you for help?" <laughs> and he's like, "Listen, I don't have the image inducer on me, but I'll give it to you if you help me with this." Yeah, you got Kurt with Amanda and trying to impress Amanda's parents, and Toad's trying to impress Wanda because he likes Wanda. Uh, and it, it works enough that, that Kurt agrees to to go along. Uh, but see, the difference here is that uh, Amanda actually is interested back yes. in Kurt. Yes. And Toad is just kind of trying to fool Wanda. Yeah. And there's a lot more to be said about that by the end of this episode. Okay. <laughs> 100% agree. So now the really, really sad thing here is... Uh, Wanda's basically chained up, right? Magneto is is trying to explain to her, like, you 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 gave me no choice, but I didn't want to leave you. That was the hardest thing I had to do. And, like, her defense could have been like, I get that you wanted me to get help, but they locked me in a cell, and they shoved food under the door, and they kept me chained up there. They kept me in isolation. Yeah, they showed uh, her flashbacks, like, interspersed with the new memories that Mastermind was rewriting as per Magneto. Yeah. So this was Mastermind's job. This is what Magneto wanted him to do, was to rewrite her memories so that she wouldn't remember hating him. Yeah. Or and, why she hated him. And keep trying to chase after him. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I feel like there there could have... I mean, it's one episode, 20 minutes... But I feel like there's there's a longer conversation there. Um, but there there are a lot more problems with this than just that. Um, but yeah, so that was the deal. Uh, he actually lured Wanda in to trap her, tried to appeal to her to get her to stop following. And if it didn't work, which obviously it didn't, have Mastermind rewrite her memories. But in any case, Kurt and Toad show up. And Kurt bamps them in there. And, uh, and they manage to break her out uh, before Magneto and the Acolytes can get to them. So Toad is there looking like the handsome ski instructor guy and like holding Wanda like princess style. And Kurt's like, okay, you can put her down now. We're like in safety or whatever. And he's like, okay, just a minute. And then Wanda like comes to and he kisses her. Yeah. And she like kisses him back. And then the image inducer fritzes and he turns back to Toad. And then she's like, Toad! Yeah, and she like smacks him in the face. Yeah, and then Kurt says to Wanda, like, he's slimy, but he did put his life on the line for you. And then Wanda smiles and thanks him, but he eats a fly, because, of course. And she's like, oh my god, ew. Yeah, so then uh, Amanda and Kurt have this little conversation, and and the bottom line is that uh, Amanda's parents don't want her to see Kurt anymore. And she says she's not giving up. She doesn't care what they say. So, so fine. I mean, I don't know if it's as much, uh, has as much to do with him being a mutant <laughs> as it does with him helping to trash the fucking house. <laughs> yeah. But then you cut to the Brotherhood house and Wanda's just acting happy, like normal. Toad is like, you're not mad at your father anymore. And Wanda's like, I can't even remember. And Toad, hilariously, like the moron he is, is about to remind her why she's mad at her dad. When Pietro stops him and is like, she's happier. She'll stop looking for Magneto. She'll she'll stick around near you. 
And so it's like, if she can get over hating her father, there's hope for me yet. And then T-O-A-D. <laughs> and, and so that was a little funny. So here's what I liked about this episode. What I really liked was, first of all, Pyro. Uh, <laughs> he was in this episode burning the hell out of a bridge, destroying cars, destroying that fucking gas tanker. It was amazing. I love seeing it. Uh, Toad, you know, with the image inducer, was fun. Like I said, uh, him fighting with Kurt, a lot of fun. And I get his desire to change his appearance, to want to be literally somebody else in order to attract somebody else. Or just, you know, you don't like who you are. You feel bad about who you are. You wish you could be somebody else. Like, I feel like a lot of people understand that. Never mind him turning into, you know, the fucking ski instructor or whatever, or trying to do it for Wanda. Like, I feel like a lot of people get that. And so, so that was all great. This episode, there were a lot of fun moments, but there were two big issues with this episode. One... Uh, sure, it's a typical villain thing to do, but fucking with Wanda's memories, that was really, really fucked up. You know, listen, I, I've, I've been there. I've had anger. I've had anger issues at family that I've carried around and I've let define me for a long time. I needed to get over it in my time with, correct, with the correct help, not by destructive behavior. Her journey is her journey. But the thing is, is Magneto took, Magneto and Mastermind took that away from her. And that's, that's gross. That's gross. But that's what Mastermind does. It's mind rape. Um, that was really fucking problematic. Again, it's a villainous trope. It's a kid's cartoon. This isn't the only instance or the first instance where something like this has happened, but it was fucking gross. Am I making sense? <laughs> no, yeah, you are. But like, you know, they're, they're bad guys. They're not going to have qualms about that. No, I, so like, I know. I feel like, I don't know, maybe it's not, uh, cause I just assumed that they were going to come back to her, her memories. So I figured it's, you know, not a big deal. Okay. I, I don't, well, I mean, not that I really want to spoil anything for you anyway, but I don't remember if they do or not. Maybe they do, maybe they don't. But the other thing was the kiss. Yep. Uh, that was that was real not okay. Like, 
toe trying to flirt, you know, like, all right. He, that's typical shitty incel behavior. A girl tells you no, you keep coming on, you keep coming on, you keep coming on. And again, this was 20 years ago, kids cartoon, and they're doing it in this lighthearted way. Like, okay, I'm, I'm, I can, I can ride with that to a certain point. And I was, we were laughing about it. You know, it's silly. But when you cross that line from trying to flirt to actually, no, I'm going to stay looking like this and then I'm going to kiss her, that wasn't okay. That was a big not okay moment. No, I agree. Because, I mean, you're taking away the consent there. So, yeah. But, like you said, it's, you know, 20 years ago, child's cartoon. You know, I feel like this stuff happens all the time. Yeah. I'm sure it did. Which, you know, it does not make it like, okay, like, oh, we should just forget about it. But it, it means that we, we can criticize it without trying to find the writers of the show on social media and, you know, bring all kinds of fire their way. <laughs> you know, I mean, it was what it was at its time. I, I, I mean, I feel like we've had similar complaints about this show like this before. Yeah. We'll probably still have some more. You remember when we talked about, this was a few years ago. Uh, Dazzler, the movie, the graphic yes, novel. Yes, that was awful. Oh my God. Yeah, but that was written in the, the 80s. 80s. You know, that kind of thing was common back then. Doesn't mean you can't criticize it. It's just, you know, you look at it through a different lens. Like, well, shit like that happening now is, it's less common. Thank God. Just like this sort of thing, I, I assume is less common in kids' cartoons. Thank God. Um, because Toad's a great character, you know? I mean, sure, he's a little shitty and slimy, but he's funny. He's relatively harmless. But, yeah, shitty moment. He had a shitty moment. So there we go. Otherwise, decent episode. Uh, next episode we're talking about is Self-Possessed. This was November 16th, 2002. And this was a Rogue episode. Yay! It was a great Rogue episode. I, I'm a big fan of this Rogue episode. What did you think about this Rogue episode? I loved it. You did? Yeah. It started out with something that you didn't love. Uh, baseball? Yeah, yeah, it was, uh, Rogue was all upset because Scott and Jean were getting closer. She's the Emma in this cartoon. JK, it doesn't happen that way. I'm just kidding. Um, Sorry. So, they were, like, in the car. Jean was driving to school. Uh, Rogue was there. Kitty was there. Nightcrawler was there. And, uh, <laughs> Kitty was like, oh, you can carpool us all to the concert tonight. And Jean was like, uh, I'm kind of going to the concert with Scott. And <gasps> like they, on a date? Yeah. And, and then Kurt and Kitty were giving her shit. And she was like, come on, guys. It's just Scott. <laughs> yeah. And Rogue was like, can you stop making a big deal out of this? Yeah. Cause Rogue started having like all these flashbacks to Scott and like their interactions over this series. Cause Scott's hot. You know, whatever. She's, she's obviously very jealous that Jean is like getting closer to Scott. Scotty's a hottie. What can we say? Uh, she doesn't want him to get in them jeans. <laughs> Stay out of them jeans. <laughs> and then we get to see Destiny. Oh, uh, yeah. Destiny came to tell Mystique that rogue like she always saw rogue as having like a really important role in the future Spoilers. of the world but she couldn't like see her in the future now so rogue might not be alive so mystique is like okay so i'm gonna have to like go follow along closely behind rogue and make sure that you know everything is okay so it's risky time 
Yeah, Risty time. Risty time. Risty's back at school because she got stuck in England because her parents were worried about what was going on in the States. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Risty's been gone for a bit. Um, Rogue buys her excuse. And, you know, Risty kind of tells Rogue that, oh, you know, I know about mutants and the whole thing now. And Rogue kind of buys that because Risty's you know, being nice to her, still her friend. And, you know, Risty asks kind of what Rogue's deal is, and Rogue starts to explain it to her. Like, if I were to touch you right now, I would absorb, like, your memories and your personality, and I'd probably leave you in a coma. And Rogue is telling her about, like, how she feels like everybody she's touched is staying in her head. And so Risty wants her to get her mind off of it and invites her to the concert. There's a concert. Concert, Gene and Scott going to the concert on a date. Everybody's going to the concert in Bayville. But Scott and Gene... And Risty and Rogue aren't the only ones going to the concert. You know who else is going to the concert? Kitty. Yeah. And Kitty got a date. Yeah. Kitty got a date with Jamie. Yay. <laughs> so cute. He was, she had a jacket and a bow tie and flowers. Baby Madrox. <laughs> no, he didn't have flowers. He had a corsage. Oh, yeah. Corsage. For her wrist. Yeah. Like this one, yeah. Yeah. She's not even dressed up fancy. She's in regular clothes, but he got her a corsage. Yeah, it was cute. She's like, this doesn't mean it's a date. Oh, uh, but Roberto lent me his suit, and he wants a full report after. <laughs> and she's like, you're like 12. <laughs> oh, my God. That was so funny. I swear to God, Jamie stole this episode. You know, like, like okay, obviously a rogue episode, second place, Jamie episode. That's what I'm saying right now. Um, so Risty decides to take Rogue to, like, the middle of all of these people. In the arena, and not even on purpose. That wasn't even a mystique thing. It was just let's get to the front. <laughs> yeah, like oh god, stupid. Uh, and then uh, you know, Gene and Scott are there, and Gene is telling Scott that everybody is giving them crap about like if it's a date or not, and he's like, "Well, is it a date?" And she's like, uh, "Could you imagine?" Ew. She didn't thought, say that. No, she did say, could you imagine? Yeah, but not ill. Okay. That's a you thing. That's but, a catty thing. <laughs> but, like, I figured he would get offended by that. But he was just like, oh, it's not a big deal if we're on a date, is it? And, uh... It's so cute. Yeah, so, um... Rogue is continuing to have these flashbacks, and she keeps looking at Scott and Jean, and it's making it worse. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, somebody in the crowd falls and rips the sleeve <laughs> off of her chiffon shirt. I don't know. It was like really one of those like really uh, thin materials, I guess. And so she has just a completely exposed arm in this giant crowd of people. Yeah. And just all of these people just keep falling into her. She keeps bumping into people and then eventually into Risty. And obviously, you know, finds out that that's Mystique. Now Rogue is basically like going through her catalog of people whose power she took. That was amazing. So she turns into Rusty and then she turns into Sabretooth and then she just loses her fucking shit. Jumps on the stage, starts throwing everything. Uh, you know, the X-Men who are in the audience try stopping everything that's getting thrown around and breaking from, you know, destroying everybody. That was really cool. Uh, Gene stopped this wall of speakers from crushing a bunch of people, uh, huge speakers. Fucking Jamie even jumped on Sabretooth. They didn't know that it was Rogue. They had no idea. Um, so you had a bunch of dupes jumping on Sabretooth. 
I think, uh, what was it? Was it when um, she turned into the juggernaut or was it before then? But either way, some giant speaker, I think, was on its way towards security and Kurt jumped on it and was riding it and then teleported it out of the way just in time. Uh, so that was really cool. But more than that, what I thought was really interesting was uh, that choice to have, you know, to tie this all together, like how Rogue is going to be this important thing. Destiny telling Mystique that, then Mystique trying to hang out with Rogue as Risty, but then making that contact with Risty now allows Rogue to shapeshift into all of these people that she's touched before, all of these other mutants. So that made this episode super, super interesting. Yeah, so at some point, Rogue turns into the Juggernaut and then runs out of the the fucking concert, and uh, Mystique runs out too. And then, you know, Scott and Gene and and Kitty and Jamie go follow, and Jamie got thrown to the stage by uh, by Sabretooth. And so he he's like, you know, barely holding on to consciousness, and Kitty is like carrying him, like he's got like his, his arm over her, around her neck. And Jamie is just like barely conscious, is just like, hello. Enjoying yourself? Good. Let's do this again sometime. It's really fucking cute. Again, like he had just those two moments in this episode, but he's just so fucking good. And really, you know, this this just, you know, it, it escalates. Rogue is, is running and turning into other characters. She turns into Magneto, and then Pietro and Arcade. And as Arcade, you know, I mean, the, the cops drive by and don't think anything of it. Um, but then Mystique finds her and tries to apologize and Rogue is like, no, you are only posing as my friend to spy on the X-Men. And Raven keeps saying, like, no, it's not that simple. And Rogue is like, bullshit. And I'm sitting there like, bullshit, too. Like, lady, you've tried to kill this girl before. Yeah, like, exactly. You- God, that was just, uh. But then, you know, the revelation. I adopted you when you were four. What? What? Who saw that coming? Who saw, Patty? Who? I was like... I was like, okay, yeah, like, we know about this, but if if you're saying now, like, oh, I'm your mom, and I love you, and I, you know, whatever, all of this bullshit, then why were you trying to kill her before? <laughs> like, it doesn't make sense now. Like, all of a sudden, she cares now. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe it speaks to more, speaks more to uh, Mystique's ruthlessness, you know, willing to put her own... Uh, adopt a daughter in harm's way in order to get Magneto's attention and acceptance. You know? You know what I mean? Maybe. No. I don't know. I, I mean, I still feel like it's weird that she's, like, trying to pull a mom card now. Yeah. After, you know, all the shit that she's pulled in the past and pretend like she cares. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It just doesn't sit right with me. No, no. I, I agree. And I, I didn't feel bad for her at all. I was like, you know, Rogue should turn into the juggernaut and fucking step on this bitch. Are you kidding? And then Rogue turns into Sabretooth and uh, <laughs> she sees Wolverine coming on his bike and she like jumps off a lamppost and just attacks him. Logan realizes immediately that it's not actually Sabretooth. It's it's Rogue. Because you can smell it. Yeah. Some more of the kids come and uh, Logan tries to stop them saying that's not actually Sabretooth. It's Rogue and... Logan and Scott go into the warehouse to confront her. Uh, she got like blasted by Scott into this warehouse. And I'm just like, no, I get that it's not really Sabretooth. It's Rogue, but like, you still have to stop her because yeah. she's rampaging. Yeah. But, you know, I think he was trying to 
get them to sort of pull their punches a little bit because they, they want to take care of her. Um, but I, I mean, it didn't do any good initially anyway, because, you know, then she's got Storm's powers and she put them to better use than, than Storm has thus far in the show. It was amazing. Just burst, like blasting all the fucking glass windows out with lightning. It was amazing. I'm blowing the fucking roof off. And I mean, you know, Jean tries to go after Rogue and Rogue uses her own telekinesis against her. Storm goes after Rogue in the sky, zaps her with some lightning. Rogue zaps her back with twice as much lightning. It was amazing. Uh, and then finally, uh, what was it? Iceman launches Wolverine into the sky and he manages to get her down. And it was so cool when she stood up. She split into five. I thought that was amazing. And like four of them use fucking beams. And the, the middle one was like Magneto and used magnetic power to throw Wolverine into a fucking truck or something. It was so cool. I just, like, I know it was for, for awful, like awful, sad reasons that this was all happening. I get that. But it was amazing to watch the art and animation and Rogue, you know, armed with not only Mystique's powers, but with multiple man's powers, be able to do all of this shit and take on the X-Men. And, you know, Logan essentially gets her to calm down enough for Xavier to come in and and help her. Because, yeah, there's all of those personalities, all of those people in her head sort of wrestling for control. And this was a really interesting way to do what they did in the comics, but do it in a different way and a little bit more satisfying way than the 90s series did it, which, uh, which will we'll probably touch on like everybody in the world knows about rogue and, and miss Marvel and the comics and what happened with that. And you know, this Carol personality wrestling with rogue in the eighties for, for dominance and sometimes, you know, being the one in control and sometimes not. And rather than that being like drawn out over the course of seasons in this show, they really did this. They had to come to a head in this one episode. And I thought, it was really interesting, at least visually. Um, and I, I thought that it did enough justice to the original story. It was enough of a nod to it. And I, and I really thought it worked. Yeah, I really liked it. Um, you know, when even when she, like, woke up in the morning that day, like, this issue had already kind of started, but she decided to go to school anyway. Yeah. Which was probably not the best idea. But, you know, I guess she was like, trying to pretend to herself that everything was okay. Patty, this is goth rogue. Of course that's what she was doing. That's what we that's what us goth people do. Uh-huh. We 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 stuff our emotions down and we cover it in black clothing. Yep. And makeup. She wears green, <laughs> Jonathan. And black too. Green uh-huh. and black. Okay. Goth rogue. Yep. <laughs> no, I really like this episode. I think that uh all of the switching that uh she was doing was really cool. And I like this a lot better than the whole Carol story because I feel like that was like decades. It was just <laughs> drawn out so long. Yeah, this was better. I mean, I, I liked what they what they did in in the comics. I think it was it was okay. Um, I did enjoy it, but the reason why I brought up the the '90s show is because I don't know if you remember. Yes, we talked about it. I forget if it was last summer. It might have been the summer before when we did our X-Men, the animated series episodes. And I feel like that was a decent episode, but it was the very end of that episode that I had an issue with, right? So 
Also, a couple of people called this out because I don't know if we made it clear. We li- Listen, I know when Rogue touches somebody, it's not like she takes their soul <laughs> into her body. She's not Shang Tsung from Mortal Kombat. <laughs> it's this. It's the duplicate personality is in there. She does absorb that personality, but it's not... It's not that the original isn't in that body anymore. So my issue with the 90s episode, which people fucking love, by the way, this episode that the 90s show did, is that Rogue spent that entire episode fighting this image of Carol Danvers. The entire fucking episode fighting Carol Danvers. Gene Grey put this image of Carol Danvers in a fucking metal cage and threw it into oblivion, right? But then at the very end of the episode, Rogue visits the real Carol Danvers in the hospital and tells the nurse her real name. And Carol comatose Carol Danvers in the bed cracks a little smile that nobody sees except for the audience. Just after Rogue spent this entire episode fighting this Carol Danvers monster in her head. It's the imagery I had a problem with. You spend the whole episode making this woman appear to be this villainous thing. And then at the very end, smile, light piano music, fade to black. Like, no, that was not, I did not appreciate the way that they handled the very end of that episode. That's what didn't click with me. And again, a couple of people were like, you know, she didn't like absorb Carol Danvers, right? Don't explain the X-Men to me. Don't. Uh, (laughs) But this episode sort of, you know, remixing what Rogue has been through really did work for me. It's a way of calling back to the comics, a way of calling back to the whole Carol Danvers issue and bringing it into this then modern cartoon. And it was a really interesting way to do it. And and again, like we've both said, visually interesting too, because, you know, at that point, you know, in the comics, she had absorbed lots of people. She had touched a lot of people, but it was just that she held on to Carol Carol for too long. In this show... They showed it. She did it to Sabretooth. She did it to Blob. She did it to Juggernaut. She did it to Mystique, to Scott, to like all these different characters. And they were all fighting for, for dominance at once. And it was only with Xavier's help and even with her bedridden that she has even a potential chance at recovering. It was super interesting. Just super interesting. And my heart broke for Rogue because y'all know I fucking love Goth Rogue. She's amazing. I love her so much. But then, you know, at the end, Logan hasn't left her side. They have this little quick heart-to-heart. Mystique goes back to Destiny and says, Rogue is back in our future, but a great darkness looms on the horizon. And you get this familiar music we heard with the Mesmero episode, and an ancient mutant will once again rise and walk the earth. Woo. You know what I was thinking when I was watching this episode was that this is how those attention horror teenagers on TikTok think that DID works. Patty, please do not call Goth Rogue a TikTok no, no, attention no, no, seeking no, no, whore. No, 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 I'm not. Okay. But this is how they think it works. I saw another <laughs> one today where somebody thought that they had Kokichi as a personality. And I was like, can you just fucking, I don't know, listen to some emo music in a dark room? Listen. Listen, that's what I did when I was a kid, okay? Yeah, yeah. This happened in a, in a Danganronpa group. Some unfortunate mixed up young girl. Thought she had a Sayaka from the first game personality and uh, went on this long 
rant. It's I'm literally like, just role playing. Just role play if you want to role play. I used to do it when I was like, you know, a preteen. It's really sad because like there there are people with legitimate legitimate issues and just God TikTok teenagers were a mistake. Delete it. And teenagers. Delete TikTok. That's our advice for today. I think I'm going to bring me musings to TikTok. Oh my god, actually. no. Like, <laughs> fucking the only thing TikTok is good for is animal videos. Every other video on there is cringe as fuck. Listen, that is all that social media is good for. It's animal videos. That's that, it. Yeah, you're right. Literally just... Everything else is cringe. Yeah. <laughs> so, what did you think about Pyro burning bridges? The bridge. The bridge. The bridge is on fire. Isn't it silly for Pyro to be snowboarding? It's like a song of ice and fire. Hello. Enjoying yourself? Good. Let's do this again sometime, like right after this quick commercial break. Hey, Rogue, what you doing? I'm reading the latest goth topic magazine. It's about goth topics for goth people, like me, a goth person, because I'm goth Rogue. Is that an article about the craft? Rogue, that film released over 25 years ago. It's as relevant today as it was back then. Okay, okay, look. I wanted to show you this cool website, geekade.com. Sure looks like geekade.com has lots of podcasts about video games, Transformers, and TV shows. I love video games and TV shows because I can do those things by myself in the dark. And I love doing things by myself in the dark because that's what goth people do. And I'm goth rope. That's right. Plus, Geekade.com even has YouTube and Twitch channels. And don't forget to check out Geekade's huge archive full of articles about anime, wrestling, music, and so much more. Wow, there's so much for me to do on Geekade.com. Geekade is so much better than people because people are the worst. And my soul is as cold and black as my fishnets because I'm Gothrogue. And yet you love Fruity Pebbles, listening to ABBA and playing hopscotch with Jamie. I'm Gothrogue. Check out Geekade.com today. You do like ABBA. I do. You and Goth Rogue have something in common. (laughs) Alright, next episode we're talking about is Under Lock and Key from November 30th, 2002. You know, I think this is the name of the first porn I ever watched. (laughs) Thanks for that. So this episode was was fun. Uh, It was cool. It didn't have a ton of character moments. I would say that, um, you know, this gave a little bit of development, honestly, to Bobby, to Iceman. But really, this is most, mostly developing the overall plot of yeah. the show, what the show is building towards. You've got Gambit stealing something from Angel, but it turns out that it's not, you know, Gambit in control. It's actually Mesmero. And of course, Magneto keeps track of his acolytes. There's only a few of them. He wants to know where <laughs> they're at at all times. Want to make sure Gambit's not getting up to any no good trouble. Yeah, funny business. Yeah, any funny business late at night. So Magneto's following one of his boys. And uh, oh, what the fuck? The fucking balls on Mesmero. You know what I mean? Yeah. To so just like, oh, I'm going to steal one of your goons, Magneto. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so who the fuck does that? Stupid. I keep forgetting who this is. I keep thinking it's Karnak. Patty, God. Jonathan. Karnak is Jonathan. not. Karnak has face tattoos. But he is not a mutant. Never was. Was never I even know. considered. <laughs> But yeah, so so he, obviously Magneto stops Mesmero, gets his boy back, and also takes the thing that Mesmero was trying to steal. Oh, this is a fun little thing. Uh, we know that the X-Men play baseball, so yeah. we got a, a little baseball moment. Gene blowing bubblegum, pitching. Yeah, that was cute. 
Yeah, it was cute. And Kitty. They, said, they said no powers. Yeah, Iceman coated his bat in ice, and then everybody else started using powers. Everybody said fuck it. Then it was anarchy. Yeah. One Kitty, person does it. Kitty, anarchy. like, phased through the grounds, and Kurt was, like, standing on the base, and uh, she, like, phased up through the ground and had the bottom of the base on her hand. On her head. On her head, and they were, like, safe. Yeah. It was cute. Magma was, like, pitching and burns a hole through the bat. (laughs) And it was just, like, a whole bunch of, you know, malarkey. (laughs) And then Sexy Wingman shows up. Yeah. Because he got his key stolen. So he wants to come talk to, uh, he wants to come talk to Xavier and and the X-Men. And, uh, and yeah, so they, you know, I mean, Angel tells them about what was stolen. It's this thing called the Spider Stone. Angel had half of it. For some reason, Angel was allowed to keep half of this in his mansion, but the other half was in a museum in London. I guess Angel's really just like, fuck the British, right? I'm keeping this thing for myself. Well, I mean, okay. So how did the British get it in the first place? It's not originally British. They stole it. Yeah. So anyway, so Mastermind um, is trying to find out what this key is for, for Magneto, because now Mesmero's chained up in Magneto's lair. And, uh, and I thought it was really funny. Magneto gets all impatient and is like, you know, I'm tired of playing games. And so like, you know, you think that he's going to like maybe magnetically tighten the fucking steel around Mesmero or threaten to cut a finger off. But nope, he just spins the chair annoyedly. <laughs> and yeah, that gets the, that gets the information. Um, so the, the key helps to unleash apocalypse. Uh, Magneto finds that out. Um, the X-Men find out where the other half of the, where the other half of this key is. It was funny because all the O5 were in the same room at the same time. You had Scott and Gene, you know, as like the leaders, uh, in this computer room with Beast in control of the computer. Cause back in 2002, only smart people could use computers like Beast. And of course, Xavier was there and Iceman was kind of hiding out and just eavesdropping. Um, but when they decided to go, uh, try to find this other half of the key, Iceman was like, yeah, I'm going to go too. And they're like, no, you're not. Because you iced up your bat. Yep. Not like we can't, every- we can't rely on you. Not like everybody else fucked around after Iceman did. There's only Iceman. So that was a silly call. But yeah, so Magneto says we're off to, off to England. The X-Men go off to England. Iceman stowaways on board. It was a really cool scene though when Magneto gets there with the Acolytes. He just like blows out all the fucking doors and shit. And, like, they're all walking all slick and cool like it's an action heist movie. I thought that was neat. Um, it was fun when they were taking out the guards. You know, one of them's playing solitaire and Gambit throws, like, an ace of spades down that's all charged up. And Colossus pretends to be one of the fucking night things. And Pyro has a has a, a fire guy on a horse. And I'm like, the name is Butter Rum. <laughs> oh, too soon? Yeah. So so that was fun. No, it was cute. He was having fun. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, unfortunately, Mesmero had slipped out of Mastermind's control at some point back at the base. And Mesmero was actually here at the museum, too. And it was amazing when Magneto found him because he started some horror movie shit with the elevator. And he just fucking broke it right out of the right off its fucking thing. what's it called thing. <laughs> Yeah, and, like, the elevator was, like, opening and closing like it was a mouth, and the fucking wires were, like, tentacles going after Mesmero. It was awesome. But then the X-Men show up, 
And they're walking in like action heist movie too. And it's the five of them. And Iceman's like, oh, this is the cool team. Because it's the L5. It is really cool. And and what was really funny was Bobby saying to Beast, like, oh, I got your back. And Beast is like, you don't got my back. You don't got a clue. And Bobby was like the MVP in this fight. He's like the second most powerful there. War- you know what Warren did? Nothing. What? No, 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 no. Warren did one thing during the fight with the Acolyte. So Gambit threw some charged up cards. Angel flapped his wings and the air blew the cards back towards Gambit. <laughs> That's what I feel so bad for Angel. He could have done a little bit more, to be honest, but they didn't do anything more with him. But Iceman uh, saved Beast at one point when Pyro was going after Angel. Iceman uh, froze uh, Pyro's flamethrowers. So Iceman was like doing some of the heavy lifting in this fight for being the youngest one there and the one who, you know, they didn't want to go. But anyway, so the the fight was the fight was fun to watch. The fucking the two halves of the spider stone come together, and my least favorite thing about this entire fucking show is the actual giant fucking spider thing that comes out of the stone and starts wreaking havoc through the streets of London. And Magneto's like, we have to stop that spider. The acolytes go after it. Xavier's trying to stop him because they don't know what that spider means. But it was neat to see the acolytes try to stop it and fail. Even Pyro, he manages to burn it. Uh, and he's like, barbecued spider. And then uh, and then it creates a hole in the ground to get away from the fire. And Pyro's like, I went down under. <laughs> so you know for sure he's Australian. We don't have any any doubts anymore that Pyro's Australian. And yeah, so, so you know, the, the X-Men are still giving chase. And in the meantime, Xavier finds Mesmero trying to creep away and telepathically gets the information he wants, but it's too late because Magneto destroys the fucking spider. Uh, he uses the fucking key, destroys the spider. And Xavier's like, no, I just found out from Mesmero that <laughs> this is what he wanted to happen all along. What and inconvenient timing. You were the only one who could have broken it. And you did. And I'm like, okay, but what was he supposed to do? Were they just supposed to let this giant spider run amok in London and just break everything? You make a great point. What are you supposed to think? Giant fucking spider demon thing is stepping on cars, potentially killing people, but the right thing to do is let it live and go do what it's supposed to do? Who would have known? And so, you know, for for plot purposes, there was really convenient slash inconvenient timing. Yeah, there was nothing that they could have... (laughs) There was no right or wrong way to handle this. But if if they had all known in advance, what they could have done was perhaps teamed up to try to mitigate some of the collateral damage to let it get to its destination, to let it get to or help it get to what it wanted to do, maybe, and make sure that its path of destruction didn't lead to any casualties. That would have been interesting. But again, then we wouldn't have gotten the rest of the show because the whole idea is, you know, Mesmero has been trying to get Apocalypse out of hibernation, okay. <laughs> basically. So, I mean, now the plan is let's team up and prevent the third key from getting open. Now, right. that, that one's got to work. We still got one more chance. Yeah. Third time's a charm. All third right. time's a charm. We're going we're gonna to stop the third one. Show's going to end on a high note. Everybody's yes. going to be happy. No, We are never going to see Apocalypse in this show. Good. Never. Not once. It's going to be like Wolverine in the X-Men Season 2, which never happened. Yeah, but again, you know, I mean, this episode was for overall plot purposes. It, it was, it was kind of nice to see the X-Men 
and the Acolytes come face-to-face, fight a little bit. Xavier and Magneto come face-to-face, have a few words with each other, and build towards something larger than them. You know what I mean? Like in, in season one, we had, um, you know, Magneto as the big bad. In season two, he was still around. And now it seems like something even bigger than them, um, potentially, you know, threatening the planet is is at play here. And we haven't even seen Apocalypse or what he's possibly capable of. Just like, you know, the whispers of him and Destiny saying like, you know, the most dangerous or powerful mutant in the world. So so it, it's neat. This episode was necessary. It, it was okay. Yeah, the, the storytelling was really convenient and kind of funny and kind of dumb, as you're pointing out. Bobby gets MVP, and Pyro gave Butterrum an appearance. Last episode we're talking about is Cruise Control. Now, this premiered on August 23rd, 2003. There were four episodes of season three that premiered like nine months after these other episodes we've been talking about. It's really weird. That makes no sense. I tried finding a reason. Maybe somebody listening knows. Maybe my Google skills have gotten worse. Um, but that's a long, a long break for one season. You know, like this is the same season we're talking about. Yeah, this is before all those fucking mid-season finale bullshit. Yeah. So anyway, and yeah, so so this was supposed to be the season finale, but this this works in the order that we're talking about it. Now, I really loved this episode for not only the character that it focused on and the characters that were also featured, but for a couple of thoughts that it put in my head, but there's one thing that I'm really mad at. One thing that I'm really mad at. That's a very big exposition. Show's over, folks. (laughs) Hope you enjoyed Cruise Control. I know I did, except for one thing, which now (laughs) nobody is ever going to know, because I'm not telling anybody. So secretive. I'm not talking about this episode anymore. Yeah. It's a cruise time. Yay. We just beat a spider accidentally. Time for a cruise. Hell yeah. That's what I would want to do. So yeah, so so this was uh, the the kids kids get to go on a cruise. A bu- not all the kids. A bunch of the kids get to go on a cruise. Uh, Roro's a chaperone. Amara is there and she's not feeling well. Um, Scott and Jean are looking at the stars and they're about to kiss. But they can't kiss because Kurt and Kitty are watching and they're giggling because, I don't know, Kurt and Kitty are probably maybe 16 years old and don't know anything about kissing yet. It's still cooties. It's still giggles. It's still, like, come on. No, fucking with the older kids, you know. Oh, God. And then Jean, like, looks over the side of the boat and sees all of these, like, (laughs) statue-looking things that Iceman is making out of ice in the ocean. He's making, like, statues of people or whatever. And then... He's like, all right, guess which guess which movie this is? And oh my he, god! He starts making a gigantic iceberg directly in the path <laughs> of the ship, and the the captains are like, "Holy shit!" Because it just like comes up on the radar like at the last second, and you know, Scott, there's no icebergs in the Caribbean. Yeah, so Scott <laughs> Scott uh, like breaks it up so they don't die. No, but 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 the best part was Bobby saying, guess what movie this is? But then he climbs on top and is like, I'm the king of the... And that's when Scott yells to stop him. <laughs> they can't get the line off for copyright purposes. Oh. It's very funny. It's and very this, funny. Is, this is not too long after Titanic would have come out. Jesus Christ. So I'm old is the point. Uh, and well, 
be asked Magma to fire her up to get rid of the iceberg, and she can't do it. Yeah, so Scott issues. has to do it. She's having issues. But her roommate makes me very happy is Boom Boom. Uh, Boom Boom is the best roommate. <laughs> Uh, and so Amara goes to lay down and Boom Boom is like asking her about it. And she says she thinks she's just been away from like solid land for too long. And this has kind of like happened before. So Boom Boom tells Storm and Storm is like warning all of the kids like low profile. Like we don't want to be found out and be like, you know, the freaks here. We're on vacation. And uh, they're they're eating breakfast and Tabitha is like, Oh, it's just breakfast. What's the worst that could happen? You know, the the table behind them, there's this Karen who's complaining about her eggs Benedict and they're not right. And he wears my orange juice and blah, blah, blah. And uh, so Boom Boom just like throws a fucking bomb at her on her food and it explodes in her face. So this was a series of really unfortunate events because that alone, that itself would have been great, would have been hilarious. Fuck that Karen. But what happened was there was uh, a server walking by with a tray that had a dish, whatever kind of dish it was. I don't know what they're eating for breakfast on this ship, but it was on fire, right? So the Karen, like, falls back and hits the server carrying the thing that's on fire. The server drops the thing on fire, it lands on a table, then a bunch of things catch on fire. Then a bunch of people are freaking out and knocking into things. Then the fucking tank of lobsters gets broken. The tank of lobsters gets broken, and the lobsters... Well, Chris Jean dumps the lobster water oh, yeah. on the table to, ter- to, to uh, put all the fires out. To put all the fire out. The lobsters get loose. The lobsters are clawing onto people. One of the lobsters lands on Kurt's image inducer, so now you can see Kurt. One of the lobsters clips onto Jamie, so now there's five Jamies and five <laughs> lobsters, apparently. Yeah, so Roro is is very pissed, very pissed, and, starts ye- and yells at all the kids. We don't see any of it. But I forget which one of them comments. It might have been Iceman. who was like, wow, I've never seen a Roro that angry before. And so they're they're all going to go for a swim. And uh, now all the fucking passengers on this ship know that these kids are mutants. They know that all of them are mutants. There goes their undercover. There goes their nice vacation. And that sucks because they're whispering. One of them shouts something at them. Hey, freaks, why don't you stay in your cabins? Boom, boom is about to throw some bombs. When Bobby tells her to calm down, she says she'll go check on Amara. He froze the water in the pool. That so was all funny. the people started screaming and running out. That was that was absolutely hilarious. And so they're they're on their way to the Bahamas, and you know, Amara's still doing terribly. And there's an announcement coming that because of a storm, they're not gonna proceed directly to the Bahamas. They throw this anchor out. And Scott and Jean are looking over the side. They're talking to each other, all upset about how they were trying to get away from this, trying to have a vacation from these people, hating and fearing them. And then Jean is like, let's take a little excursion. And she flies them towards the island. And it's really cute. They're flying. They're smiling. Dolphins are hopping. Kurt sees them. He teleports himself and Kitty off the boat. And then, you know, because Amara is doing so shitty, Tabitha is like, we're getting you off this boat and onto land pronto. And so Bobby makes an ice boat. So they all get to this fucking island. What was it? St. Sebastian? It was St. Sebastian. So, you know, Scott and Gene are walking around. You know, they're they're kind of happy to get away from the boat, happy to get away from the kids until they run into all of the kids. And, uh, and that was kind of funny. Boom Boom was yelling at some, you know, native street vendor about a hat, about how 20 bucks was a ripoff and she would only pay five and expected a box. 
But uh, but Amara's happy. Amara's super happy. She's on land. Tabitha says that they're going to go to some hot springs. And, uh, she, you know, she's just, like, completely rejuvenated. You know, they're in the hot springs. Amara goes underwater. There's this fissure. And then all of a sudden, there's an earthquake, and the water is getting hotter. And the kids run out. And then rocks start falling. And, of course, you know, the island, it's an active volcano. So so what could possibly be happening? So upset. So upset about this. So Scott and Jean do their thing. They save all the islanders. The kids, you know, they they uh, ran back to where all the people were and they started helping everybody too. Uh, and then, like, they start getting surrounded after, you know, this fissure ends. And um, they're like, oh, God, here, here we comes. are again. <laughs> yeah, here and it comes. Everybody is, like, really happy and they're thankful that they were saved and they start cheering and everything. And now they're, like, treated like celebrities and, you know, Boom Boom is all about that. The rest of the kids, you know, they're they're trying to act like it's, you know, not a big deal, but they're like loving it too. And then they they notice that uh there is a giant storm cloud directly over the ship <laughs> the cruise ship and Storm is not happy. Yeah. Um Aurora couldn't find any of the kids. She had Jamie trying to find them, and so Roro realizes they're on the island. And so the kids on the island notice the big dark cloud with lightning coming their way. I thought that was very funny. But yeah, I mean, you know, it was great to see all the kids using their powers to help the people on the island. You know, some car was overturned. Boom, boom, blew the doors off, got the people out. So Momon was trapped under the stand where she was selling her stuff and Kitty faced her out. And so everybody cheers for them. And it's a very stark contrast to what they're used to back home immediately after they were outed. And even on the the cruise ship after what just happened, you know, but even though they're being treated so well, like they're heroes, the volcano fucking erupts and okay. Mutant powers are great, but like, you know, this wasn't just like a big rock slide or anything. Now there's like rocks blasting at fucking houses and shops and lava falling. Gene can't hold it back. Scott can't blast it back. The best he can do is blast his fucking trench you know, houses are being destroyed and shit as rocks and uh, fucking fires raining down on everything. But Amara decides to go to go towards the fucking volcano. And she's already gone by the time Storm gets there. Boom Boom tells Storm that's where Amara went. And by the time Storm gets up there, fucking magma falls right into the fucking volcano. But the art and the animation is gorgeous when she's all like fired up. She looks amazing. She looks amazing. I love the way that she looks. But, you know, immediately, Storm thinks that she's dead. The other kids <laughs> come up and join Storm, and it's like, Mara fell in. It's like, shed a tear. One of our children is dead. What the fuck just happened? I mean, you know. You were the first one to say, oh, she'll be fine. She's magma. She's made of magma. But, her name is magma. But they don't all know that. So They you know. know her name is magma. <laughs> I don't know. They don't all know that she can survive you know, diving into a volcano, but she's so badass. She just like makes this lava spout and lifts herself up back onto the rocks. She closes the fissure, stops all the eruptions, um, and boom, boom's just like, how cool are you? And Amara's just like, I felt like I merged with the volcano and the villagers cheer again. And it, it was, it was amazing. You know, the show, the, the episode ends with Amara smiling. It was just, just wonderful. Now, the problem that I had with this episode was 
after Amara was under the hot springs and the water got hot and they all started running out and then the shaking started happening. I forget who she said it to. She might've said it to boom, boom. Like, you know, this, I feel like I caused this. When I touched the fissure, I'm like, no, honey, no, no writers. Don't, don't do this. These people are regarding you as heroes. They, you, you saved their lives. Don't tell me, don't tell me you're the cause of this. Because then the issue is, okay, they look like heroes to these people, but really it's because this one couldn't control her powers that she was the cause of it. I hate that. I'm sorry. That's my problem with this. Like, couldn't they just be heroes? Couldn't they just have conveniently stopped off on this island where there was a volcano? One of them needed to get on land. She got on land. She helped save this village. You know, she and her friends helped save this village. Couldn't that be enough? Did it really have to be, hey, we saved all these people. But side note, (laughs) sorry, y'all. I caused this too. I burned some of your homes down. You do, do you see what I'm no, saying? No, I, I understand. I was really I, mad. I understand what you're saying, but I feel like it would have been too convenient if it was just like this volcano hadn't gone off in like decades, and now all of a sudden it did because magma was there. I, I don't like it either that it was like her fault, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know how else it could have worked. Otherwise, it would have been just like not believable that this like just so happened to choose to explode right the minute that they were on the island. Maybe the volcano could have just sensed that she was on the island. Her magma sense was tingling. I don't know. Something. No, because cause I'm gonna I'll, I'll take it a step further. This this really made me, you know, think about maybe I'm way off base here and I'll try to organize my thoughts. But this made me think about how these people on this remote island reacted to mutants. Versus how people in the United States reacted to mutants. You know, when mutants were outed, there was this giant fucking robot wreaking havoc on the streets, uh, stepping on cars, destroying buildings, and trying to shoot at people, right? The mutants on the ground did not do anything to try to hurt the police that were around at the time. They did not do anything to try to destroy the buildings. All they tried to do was to survive and destroy these robots. But immediately, American media picked it up and was like, are these aliens? Are these who's walking among us? Fear, fear, fear. You know, all this bullshit, which we know here in America, is exactly what would happen and exactly what does happen. Trans kids are trying to take over your sports and cheat. You know what I mean? Whereas people on this remote island saw these kids with incredible but weird fucking powers just trying to help, and they cheered. They weren't scared. Do you see what I'm sort of saying? I'm saying that maybe the media has a lot to do with it too because these these people who are native to this remote island, maybe they're not subjected to the same sort of media that we are where you have half of the country just fearing everybody that's not like them. You know, it's the gay people, it's the black people, it's the Mexicans, the trans people, it's those fucking liberals. You know, whereas, you know, on this island, it's just like, I don't understand what these kids just did, but we're alive now because of them. So we should celebrate them. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. (laughs) And that's kind of why I feel extra bad about Amara being the cause of the fucking volcano, too. You know, because 
these people had such a positive reaction to these kids, whereas back home, it's almost universally negative. Like I said, you have a valid point, but I just feel like it would have just been too convenient otherwise if, like, none of these kids had done anything to actually trigger this. This was a great episode for Boom Boom. Oh my god, Patty. (laughs) I love her. (laughs) She's so good. Yeah. So that'll do it for this episode of Mutant Musings Evolution. Thanks for joining us, and remember to leave us a comment on geekade.com. Leave us ratings and reviews on iTunes or anywhere else you find our podcast. Follow us on Instagram at mutant underscore musings underscore podcast and on Twitter at Mutant Musings. Join us for episode 16 in two weeks when we discuss X-23 and celebrate Laura Kinney. And until then, Pyro was right. Wait, no he wasn't. Don't be mean. <laughs>